childish things and tonight's childish thing is chapter 11 of the mandalorian the heiress and the game done changed son so much to talk about in this episode so let's get to it honored and up Crack a lacking, my brother. Don't shut! <laughs> I don't know why I'm feeling Jamaican. <laughs> Somebody must have been tell- talking to me about oxtail earlier. Oh, shit. Hox Somebody tail. cooked up a big old batch of that a oxtail. Big old pot of oxtail. Oh. I'm not even going to do it. I'm, now I'm, now I, got like, I got like the fear. I, I'm not going to do my Jamaican accent because it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound Scottish. So. <laughs> Don't worry, I I am Jamaican, and uh, my Jamaican accent sounds Scottish. You are, you know, <laughs> at, at at the risk of of sounding racist, you're the whitest dude I know. <laughs> but I'm sure you cook a mean oxtail, my friend. I'm yeah, sure. no, it turned out really good. Um, yeah, no, I uh, so I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but. Um, about a year ago. You're not ago, the whitest dude I know, by the way. I'm just thinking about that. No, I know uh, way whiter dudes. Than yeah. You. Anyway, right. go ahead. <laughs> the, the whitest black guy? Yeah, I don't know. yeah maybe. Okay, so uh, about a year ago, because it was, I bought it on, no, I know on Boxing whiter. Day. I bought yeah. an Instant Pot. And I fucking oh. love my Instant Pot. So anyways, no, no, so no. I uh, pressure cooked some, some hockstail, as the Jamaicans would say. Well. I and, should get uh, one of yeah. those. Oh, the, uh, dude, just wait till uh, wait till Boxing Day, dude. I got yeah. mine for like sixty bucks at Walmart. So yeah, yeah it was it was a steal. And Walmart's dude, so great. So like you can get anything cool for sixty bucks at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Like I got my, I got a vacuum for sixty bucks at Walmart. That was mm-hmm. great. I used it for years. Oh, okay. I got what was I thinking of? Like um, a Dyson, whatever one of those. My my air fryer. No, mm-hmm. that was like eighty bucks. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me adjust it. You can get anything for eighty bucks at Walmart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm sorry. I totally cut you off. But. No, it's all good, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, it turned out good. So uh, yeah. my brother came down, and it was a it was a nice treat because he wasn't expecting it. So yeah, no, he uh-huh. it, everyone was happy. It was it turned out great. A big so. pot of oxtail. A big pot of oxtail. <laughs> me not no cook no rice and peas. Me just make some plain rice and thing. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> 
My Jamaican accent is actually more Trini. <laughs> I have I have I have a Trini brother in law yeah, and I'm right. like I like I'm like I can do him dead on. Yes. But it's like I'm so good at doing him that when I try to do Jamaican I veer into him all the time. Yeah, because, you know. <laughs> anyway. Oh those Trinis. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so how you doing, my brother? Uh good. I'm good. I'm good. How good. are you? I'm all right, man. No um, this episode, mm. uh, episode chapter eleven yes. of Mandalorian, uh, is a serious game changer. Like, yeah, every everything uh, that comes before it is it was was the prologue for this, pretty right, much, right? In many ways. Oh, okay, hold um, on. are we gonna hop into that, or are we gonna talk some? No, no, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna start really getting into it yet. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just teasing because that's the main topic of tonight. Yes. Um, uh, but we're going to get into that soon after we, you know, we chat a little bit more about mm-hmm. about this stuff. And we're probably, I'm pretty sure, going to be joined by uh, our good friend Johnny Mac, our UK correspondent. Mind you, you did, you did say England. this last week. And yes, he was supposed to join us last yes. week and didn't, and turned out to be vaporware. But uh, this, like, I just got a thumbs up from him, like. Uh, like a few mm. minutes ago, no, a yeah. few minutes ago, uh, was my last contact with Johnny Mac, and he says he's coming on. So um, that's great because he is a Boba Fett fanatic. Yes, he uh, is the proprietor of the Facebook page. Always be yourself, unless you can be Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Then be Boba Fett. It's a long name for a Facebook page, but um, if you look up "Always be yourself, unless you can be Boba Fett," you can find him there, and yep. you can give him a follow there. Yeah. Um, but not if he doesn't come on tonight. Anyway, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened this week, uh, elsewise in the news, other than this this epic episode of Mandalorian, which we're going to get to? Um, one thing that I saw, um, which I actually just saw today, uh, I forgot to mention to you before uh, we start recording, was uh, apparently Sylvester Stallone has joined the Suicide Squad. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the new one that's coming out with James Gunn, which is makes it like, sense because is he it like in, everybody who was in like a Guardians uh, movie? Guardians? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah because it makes sense because he was in one of the Guard- the last Guardians film, right? Yeah, so, um, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure he'll be fun. Like he's 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 got a great sense of humor these days. He mm-hmm. he does fun stuff lately, right? Yeah, most definitely. So, uh, and he is and I, an Oscar winning director, so why not just bring him in? That's true. That is true. Yeah, I don't think he won an Oscar for acting, but he definitely won one for directing or writing. Yeah. Was it yeah. writing or directing? No. I feel it was directing. Uh, you know what? I uh, I feel like it was writing. Hold on. Uh, I got to <laughs> look this up right now because, you know, the nerds will not let me get away with getting this wrong. What <laughs> did Sylvester. Stallone. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. Um, uh, do the plot... He was a nominee. He was a nominee. He, he didn't win. Sorry. My bad. Oh, he, he didn't he even win. He was yeah. nominated. Yeah, he was um, nominated for writing. So, yeah. There's prestige And actor. Look, the actor. script of Rocky was great. Mm-hmm. It was a great story. Um, I was just thinking, is this? did the plot of Star Wars kind of mirror the plot of the first three Rocky movies? The first trilogy. Why him being an this underdog? Is, this, is, this is a this is a, this is a whole crazy tangent. I'm not going to go there, okay. um, because I have points about each movie where it kind of lines up, and I I feel like maybe George Lucas was like a huge Rocky fan and kind of imitated. I don't know if they lined up chronologically. Even well, I didn't look a, it up. There's it a whole a, essay here. 
it is a known fact that uh, he did model Star Wars after um, Flash Gordon. I was going to say Buck Rogers, but <laughs> yeah, Flash yes. Gordon. So that is yes. that is actually actual factual. Yes. So, um, but it was a kind of a kind of a a lot of influences, though, and mm-hmm. and oh, and openly so. Like nothing, nothing was like kind of. He wasn't like kind of trying to hide any of his influences. He was kind of glorifying them. Yeah. Um, which is is still carried on today in Mandalorian for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, what was the news item we were discussing? Um, <laughs> him being in the uh, new Suicide Squad. Uh, so that's right, song. right. Uh, yeah, so curious about this Suicide Squad movie, man. Because um, mm-hmm. like I'm like I'm so bummed about everything that went before it. Like that that Birds of Prey movie. I I fucking I don't even feel like it's a movie. Like I feel like it's so bad. Like it was on the level of that Charlie's Angels movie. Oh no, dude, that, don't go there. <laughs> I feel like it was that bad. <laughs> no, I do. Man. Um, I, I will say, um, I actually I actually had fun watching the Birds of Prey movie. Um, I know you hated it, but I actually had fun with it. Uh, when I watched Charlie's Angels, I just was like scouring at my at my screen for two hours. I was just like, "Why am I watching this? I'm just watching yeah. this just so I can say I watched it." Literally, that's the only reason why I finished that movie. That's how I was. That's how just, I was through Birds of Prey. Yeah, fair enough. And, and Birds of Prey, but Birds of Prey rose to the level of actually kind of offending me a little bit, like making me think, feel like. Like you shouldn't have went there, like with that scene where Cocaine gave her superpowers. Right. Yeah. No. There was a few things that were like, because I remember seeing that and I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. Like this is a character that children love. Yeah. Like, exactly. And then she's like, like cranking. Coke. You know what? I I got disturbed at Comic Con last time. It's been a long time since I've been to a, a Comic Con, yeah. but uh, probably three years. But yeah. um. I was disturbed by the little girls dressed as Harley Quinns because I'm like. Like I, I don't feel like this is a this is a, a character for kids, no. you know, and and like that was before that movie, long before that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, there are like you go to Comic Con and you will see like little <clears throat> like ten year old girls dressed as Harley Quinn. Yeah, and um, to me, I, I'm like, yeah, that's weird. I if I had a ten year old girl, I don't know if I'd that, be that. about that. I'm not. I'm not judging anybody, yeah. but. Um, you know, just that's just me. Especially if they're rocking those uh, those Bati Rider shorts, that's just not right. Uh, they they are <laughs> oh, generally yeah. this. Like if, yeah, they're, I'm not even... if they're rocking the the look from the TV show where she wore like the red and yeah, black no, I don't whatever. mean that one. I don't yeah, mean that. I, I don't, say I don't that, mean like the I wouldn't have the a playing with. card. The playing no, I don't mean the playing card Harley yeah, Quinn. I mean okay. the one style after Tank Girl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's, one, a little, one, that's, that's a little. That's more prevalent. Yeah, yeah, the one that they do the Van Halen like, like video like striptease scene in in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, they do the fucking hot for teacher thing. They yeah, totally yeah. do that yeah. in Suicide Squad and unabashedly, like nakedly, like they're not even they're not even parodying it. They're just openly doing it like it's 1984 again, and like we haven't made any progress in all that time. And just fuck it, like. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm i so down. Uh, my, my point was, mm. I'm so down on all the Suicide Squad stuff and and Harley Quinn stuff that, like, I'm wondering, can James Gunn do the impossible and make me like this franchise? Because I'm going to tell you right now, Kev, mm. this Peacemaker stuff has me worried. Like, yeah. I don't... <laughs> I, I hope it's, like, pr- played, like, 
really broadly comical mm-hmm. this character this peacemaker character like i remember him like i collected the vigilante and and that was not a popular comic mm-hmm. uh but the peacemaker character was created in the vigilante comic mm. and the vigilante character is actually getting tugged into a lot of stuff lately probably going to be um on the peacemaker show uh i think he's been cast actually yeah he was cast adrian chase the vigilante was cast okay. for that show um and like that's a character I wish I'd take seriously, but this peacemaker character, he's just so goofy looking, mm. and they, and they just present and and James Gunn's version is like he just took the comic character and just like painted it on a person. It's like it looks exactly like the comic character, like and the it doesn't make sense as like armor or a cost or an outfit or like why would he be dressed like that? It doesn't make any damn sense, mm. except that's how he looked in the comic. And James Gunn like loves to be faithful to the comic, and it's like I don't know how he's going to pull it off and make this because this character is supposed to be a very serious, dark character like the Punisher. Oh, yeah, okay, but he looks so silly. Like you've mm-hmm. seen John Cena's playing him, right? Yeah, and like he like they're playing him as silly. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell? Is well, you can't soon? really. Yeah, I think it's a little too soon to tell. But no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, totally. But um. But yeah, I'm just I don't, I'm worried I, about that show. I want to love it, but I'm worried about it. I guess save judgment until you see uh, the new Suicide Squad, right? Right. Then, like, like I, I had my doubts about Guardians. I've said this before. Mm-hmm. Like, those were characters I didn't know. I I'd never even had any experience with, and I was like, I don't think you're going to make me care about these characters. And he did, right? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe that's about to happen with Suicide Squad. I hope it does. Like, I only want DC to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I only want James Gunn to succeed. So, I'm not down on that movie. I'm looking forward to it, was there my point. All right. Sorry. Wasted time. <laughs> you had another uh, DC-related uh, news. What was that? The new, the Joker. Oh, yeah. So, um... Uh, Zack Snyder in interviews has said that uh, the Joker, we know Jared Leto is going to appear in Zack Snyder's um, re-release or or release of his version of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the fame Snyder cut, which will not be a movie. It will be a four-hour-long miniseries, four parts of one hour long. There isn't a release date yet, but they said early 2021, so we can probably expect it by March um, to start, anyway. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm trying to. I'm reading a message that uh, Johnny sent me. Sorry. Oh, what was what was the point I was making? I totally just lost my place completely. <laughs> Well, what was I talking about, Kev? <laughs> we were talking about Joker's new look in uh, yes, okay, in Zack Thank Snyder's you. new. Thank you. Cut. Thank you. So, so Zack Snyder said his Joker's going to have a new look. So I, I've seen so many posts on Facebook, uh, people saying, you know, Zack Snyder is changing the way the Joker looked because the Joker looked so bad with his tattoos and his grill, and I've seen so many fans on Facebook saying they're going to make him look more like the comic instead of the way he looked in Suicide Squad. Mm. So I went and I looked up the interview and I watched it. And what Zack Snyder said was nothing to the effect of the tattoos and the grill is going away. 
what Zack Snyder said was he didn't want to change it too much. He wanted to um, honor the way the character was created. And he's talking about that Suicide Squad movie. Um, But uh, he said, also, a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then. And my version of this Joker is a more road-weary version. So, like, like, if you see those memes about... Oh, he's not going to have his tattoos and his grills anymore. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, um, but he's going to be changed in some way because some time has passed and some events have occurred mm-hmm. that have changed his appearance somehow. Um, and and we'll see what it's going to be. But um, anyway, um, I'm sorry the be... interruption I got. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, I was going to say I think it would be stupid if uh, sorry if they um, took away his tattoos because they're fucking tattoos. <laughs> tattoos yeah. are permanent. Last yeah. time I checked. Uh, well, you get you them know, lasered Joker, off, whatever, right? Well, but, uh, well, Joker had his face removed a lot and stuff like that, that right? So, so like they could really do anything with Joker to get rid so of what, the music, if That's what they wanted to do. Remove uh, Jared Leto's face and put Yachlin Phoenix's face on him instead. Is that what's going? On? I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. We'll see what he's gonna do, but I don't, I don't jump to any conclusions about them trying to like change it because Suicide Squad was embarrassing, yeah. like. Um, that's not the spirit of this anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, so I'm sorry. The reason that I got thrown off so badly was Johnny Mac was messaging me to tell me that he was ready to, to join us. Okay. Um, so, try, so try to add him in. Okay. I'll add him to the, to the call. Were there, was there any other news of the week that we wanted uh, to discuss? Off top of the head, I think that's pretty much right. So, Okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, I'm still looking forward to the Snyder Cut. I still am stoked on... My hype level for DC is really high. My hype level for Marvel is again low because WandaVision got postponed again. We're not getting it until 2021. Yeah, it's got pushed um, to, What was it, January? I want yeah, to say like supposedly, January, supposedly like, January 2021. Yeah, like um, January. They actually posted a, a natural date for it, though. Um, Brother... Uh, it's good to have you back with us. It's been too long. Uh, we are we're gonna start. We're gonna start talking about Chapter Eleven of Mandalorian very soon. Um, uh, right before I tell everybody to go check you out on Facebook at uh, Always Be Yourself, unless you can be Boba Fett, then be Boba Fett, or uh, your funny page, which is not about Boba Fett. It's just funny. Uh, Ninja Penguins Geektastic Fun Page. Did I get it right? One that's the one, yeah. Uh, where where my brother Johnny Mac has the funniest memes on Facebook. Um, not politically correct, shocking sometimes, but always funny. Um, always funny. Go check him out. Um, the one last thing I want to talk about, Kev, from the news this week. I don't know. Were you still making a point that I stopped and you needed to finish, or you probably I, forgot? I, right? I <laughs> don't think so. I don't know. I think I'm good. Okay. Um, the one last story I wanted to mention was this weird Wonder Woman story, mm-hmm. which was like such a non-story, but somehow it got out there that Warner Brothers is debating what to do with Wonder Woman. Maybe they're still going to release it this year on Christmas Day. And if they do that, they'll give it a very short uh, theatrical window and then release it on January, in January, on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, or maybe not. The, the story was not that, that that's what they're doing. The story was that they're debating doing that. And obviously, they just wanted to get some reaction yeah, from people. Yeah, some attention. Right. So it's, it was leaked or something. Whatever. Mm. Um, uh, I think they should absolutely do it. Uh, first of all, I, like, I think 
Wonder Woman has been in the can for too long. We've seen too much of it. Uh, we know most of what's going to happen in this movie, and the longer they wait, the older it's and the staler it's going to feel. And I think it's a great idea to use it as premier content for HBO Max to push uh, subscriptions to HBO Max before we get to the Snyder Cut, which uh, we, which everybody knows is the most important event of my life upcoming. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they I'm just, just uh, I, put it on VOD. Well, right? for like maybe I like I, I, like, I, I still want to have a th- I still want to have a theatrical release, but mm-hmm. I like this plan. I like release it in theaters on Christmas Day, and then uh, a couple weeks later HBO Max it. Um, I think that's a good plan, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think they should keep putting it off? Because I think the I think putting off Black Widow as much as they have was a huge mistake. I think I don't give a shit about Black Widow anymore. And um, give a shit about Black Widow before. Been too long. It's been too long. <laughs> no, no. But I was willing. To, I was willing to like humor it before, and now I'm just annoyed by it. it's been so long. But anyway, what do you guys think about this? Uh, uh, go ahead, Johnny. Uh, well, I was just thinking now, you know, uh, Black Widow should have been really done about four or five years ago. So I can see where you're coming with that one. Mm-hmm. It's yes. one of those kind of like she's already been, she's like already done. eight years I, ago. You know, I, I feel the same way about Wonder Woman now. I mean, all the action and all, all the suspense and all that, everything's taken out of it because she knows she survives. You know, this Black Widow's thing and all that, there's no sense of danger because, you know, she's going to survive until. Uh, end game where she gets killed, and the same with Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, you, you're looking back in the eighties, but nothing that happens in the eighties version is going to change what's already happens in the modern day. Mm. So you're doing these films, and it's leaving a little bit to be desired on, you know, for the for this shit for the sheer action and the tension and all that because nothing's really at stake. You know, nothing. Nothing's going to change. As, okay. as as bad as the villains are, or as bad as the situation is, nothing's going to be be changed from that from that timeline to now. Hmm. I think that's an interesting point of view, Johnny. Because uh, I, I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's my point of view going into any superhero film, like even something like Endgame, or like you know, I feel like even if everybody dies, I feel like they're going to come back to life. I don't feel like the stakes are any, like, are ever life and death. I, I feel like it's just just, it's just about this chapter of the story, right? Not everyone came back from Infinity War, and that's why that worked, because you didn't know who was going to live or die. In these cases, the retrospective movie sets before the characters, as we know them now, and we know there's never not going to be any real consequences from whatever happens in either movie. Okay, I, I take your point. I feel like I feel like maybe they built something like that into there, whereas we don't know what the fate of Steve Trevor will be. Um, we know well, that he's being brought back somehow, but we don't know if he's going to stay back or die again. Well, he's not in the uh, modern movie, so he's not around. So, yeah, yeah you, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But l- let, let's see what Kev has to say. <laughs> okay, so um, sorry. What was the what was the actual question again? Uh, how do you feel about this story? Do you feel like it's a good plan, this the, this release plan, or do you want them to just release it in theaters, or do you want them to postpone it theatrically, just like they've done with Black Widow? Yeah, no, um, I don't know. I I feel like Wonder Woman uh, will be more of an event. Um, this is something I would personally would rather watch on a big screen. Uh, I, I like for the first time that is. 
Um, you and I would go Christmas Day, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, like it would I would awesome. definitely, yeah. I would definitely go to a theater to watch it. Um, whether or not they, they obviously theaters are going to be a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Dodgy <laughs> for yeah. in the next month. So maybe not release it on Christmas Day. Maybe hold it till maybe January, uh, February. See where this whole COVID thing kind of goes because. Uh, we don't know when we're going to get that vaccine. Uh, right. it's, it is apparently supposed to be next year. But by the time well, we start getting this vaccine, maybe people will start going to theater again as soon as Sounds like February. you're more in the Black Widow camp. Mm, well, um, when you say Black Widow camp. Because they, they just keep, no, I'm they fine just keep with pushing them. that back and pushing that back. No, I'm fine with that. Uh, because, yeah. uh, again, Black Widow is something I think I'd rather watch on the big screen as well. Um, mind you, oh. like if they if they bring it out on... On, on home video or whatever that platform, I will watch it. It's not like I'm going to boycott it because it's not on a big screen. Right? But I'd rather see it on the big screen. I feel like, I feel I, like that about most movies. I'd rather see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, think, yeah, the delay is kind of, you know, as uh, so these two, uh, I don't think either of them have been for me, but I'd rather see them on the big screen if I had the chance to. Yeah, no, but, absolutely. It is what it is. If they decide to release them early, I'm not going to waste a chance to watch it on my 55 inch surround sound. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, that's word of up, word of up, brother. Yeah. Okay, well, we have everybody's take, and everybody, uh, nobody's right, nobody's wrong. We'll see what happens. I guess since this story was not an announcement, it was an announcement of just trying to come up with an announcement. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens anyway. Let's close the book on news of the week, Kev. Mm. Boom, Thank you, sir. <laughs> and let's get to the main course of this meal, shall we, gentlemen? This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> we gotta let a little of that music play. <laughs> but while we do, how good is the new music? How good is the theme for the Night Owl Clan? How good is Bo Katan's theme that it just goes? It's just like chicka 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 chicka, or like it's like <laughs> I can't do it now. It's like chicka 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 It's so badass when when you oh. first see the night owls mm-hmm. on screen in this episode, which I'm I'm jumping way ahead in, yes, but <laughs> shall I? Begin the chronological discussion. Set it off. Should we go chronologically? Okay. I think we should go chronologically. Well, what okay. we say? I don't have the I don't have the episode up like I usually do. I'm I'm totally I totally failed on that Ooh. point. Okay, I'm pull, I'm pulling it up as we talk. Anyway, wah, um, wah. Uh, the episode starts off where the previous episode left off exactly, which is great <laughs> because we left off in a tense moment. Would our heroes survive this journey through space in the Razor Crest, which was so badly damaged mm-hmm. in Chapter 10? Uh, well, they did. And they're awakened. They're awakened by the alarm clock. And they arrive at this planet, the planet that they were trying to deliver the frog lady to the entire time. Mm-hmm. I don't know the name of it. Do you know the name of it? Anybody? Johnny? So it's, uh, it's Moon. I don't remember the name. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's a planet. And it's got who lives there? 
<clears throat> the um, calamari the and quarren. Yeah, there you go. Bon calamari you. and quarren. All of the aquatic alien races love this planet. They mm-hmm. all live there. Um, and we get this amazing, fun uh, crash landing scene. We get a lot of awesome crash landing scenes with the Razor Crest. But so, this was my favorite one so far. Yeah. Uh, its name is it's an estuary moon called Trask. Just looked it up. Yes, that's go. right. Trask. I knew, with I, I knew they did Trask. talk about it. Yes. Um, so uh, this amazing, they almost crash, but the, you know, the Razor Crest pulls itself out of the crash at the last possible second mm-hmm. and then comically spills itself into the water right next to the that dock. Was that was a, funny. A fantastically <laughs> comical scene. Yep, I actually laughed out well, loud when, I, when that happened. Too. Yeah, me, me too. And the Mon Calamari. <laughs> The Mon Calamari guy on the dock just standing there watching, just bored. Uh, Amazing. Uh, Just a a fantastically comical scene. But also, can we talk about how expensive and cinematic and amazing this looks? Like, Mm -hmm. it looks like it's the most expensive TV show ever made. It looks like the movies. It looks just as good as the movies. And it it is exciting and thrilling to watch at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah, no one's. It was like you're only a 30 minute episodes because they must have blew a lot of budget on that episode. Mm-hmm. You know I what, mean, brother? I don't even think so. I think it's just this new technology. This, this yeah, I forget the name of it, but this surround screen digital thing they're using. Mm-hmm. I just think they're just learning to use it better. Every, like every episode, because mm-hmm. I I don't think the budget is really that flexible. I think the budget is what it is, but they're just getting so much better at, me, at at utilizing it. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's the impression that I've got from everything that I've seen so far. Well, they are adding more like towns and cityscapes now, rather than just deserts and stuff and all that. Yes. And we're really going to see the advantages in the CG. Mm-hmm. They are starting to look a bit more realistic. Anyone called the? Uh, everyone noticed what pulled the uh, razor crest out of the water? By the way, it was like a civilian version of an ATAT. I, I was mm-hmm. just about to say my favorite scene of this entire series so far was that Walker. Yeah. That Walker crane, which had no introduction, no buildup. It's just boom. It's just this. When we come out of, first of all, it, we cut to black and the credits, the opening credits, when uh, the Razor Crest goes into the water. So there would be a commercial there if we were like watching it on a real TV station. Um, and then we come back and the Razor Crest is being yanked out of the water by this crane that's like an ATST. It's got ATST legs and it's walking around AT-ATs. in the water. Yes, thank you. And it <laughs> looks so cool, yep. and it drops the Razor Crest on the landing pad, and the water's coming into the Razor Crest, and it's rocking around, and the fucking digital effects in this scene are so killer. Mm-hmm. It's like, like it's cooler than when the ninety nine percent of the movies this show right yeah. now visually, oh, and great. this level that this season has reached visually is just blowing me away that mm-hmm. it's like all of my problems with the storyline are just kind of melting away and I'm just enjoying watching a new Star Wars movie every week yeah. especially we switched aspect ratios to I, again I'm not nerdy enough to know what the what the movie aspect ratio is but, 16 the, by the, nine. but they, they started using the cinematic aspect ratio and it just 
it just feels so big now. Am I wrong? Okay, I'll stop now. But but guys, Johnny, Mac. 16.9. Yeah, 16.9. Am, am I right about this season, though, and how much more epic it feels? Yeah, it really, you know, straight out of the blocks. You know, you had the Great Dragon, and uh, that was really good. Very Tremors slash Dude-esque. Yeah. Was it all? And this, the, the whole, you know, the whole thing. You know, there were some great memes, you know, uh, about... I uh, posted a few on Boba Fett, like uh, it says that it's a uh, weak spot was its belly, and I had a picture of uh, Dean in the belly stabbing it like a uh, draft, yeah, draft <laughs> of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, uh, yeah. that was a great thing for it, you know, that yeah, was fun, but yeah, and but of course, yeah, the big one was Boba Fett, you know, uh, for years, everyone like, oh, he does, you got taken up by a blind man, suck it, you haters. I all along. I don't care. Uh, it was Captain the Legends. It was bound to happen in canon. There was no way Fett was going to be killed by a giant anus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think Kev- Kevin, were you actually? Were, did it bother you, Kev? Got an entire freaking arsenal on his on his armor. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you, brother. I'm on your side on this yeah. on this one. But I don't know how Kev felt. I think Kev was maybe on the other side a little bit. Sorry um, about what Boba Fett coming back. Yeah. So my whole thing was, um, it's fine if he comes back. Just, just show me how he comes back. Show me him living. I think they that's will. my whole thing. Do you thing. think they will? I hope so. They the better do a flashback. They dropped a hint, didn't they? Great dragons eat Sarlaccs. Well, right. I think I think that was the hint. Yes, I think I think they're going to show us. Yes, I think we're going to see him come out of that Sarlacc. I think they're going to recreate the Sarlacc pit from Return of the Jedi I on so. this show. I hope so. I I, I, I friggin' hope so, yes. Because they, they're doing such a great job visually on this show. It's going to be perfect. It, like I, uh, All my complaints aside, uh, I'm so blown away by... By the visuals this this season, yeah. But right. we we should get back to the chronology. Yeah. So chrono- uh, yeah, no, the, we're the talking chrono- about logic. we're talking about chapter eleven. Um, yes. So the heiress. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So um, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Razor crest. Boy, it makes the Millennium Falcon look like it looks really now, doesn't it? Yeah. It is so it is the Razor so crest is a fun ship, right? Uh, <laughs> It's kind of like it's because I don't know whether you guys watch D Space Nine. You know the the yeah. had a running theme throughout it where the ads Chief O'Brien and uh, O'Brien must suffer. I think in this Razor Crest must suffer. It's the whipping boy. If something's yeah. bad going to happen, it's going to happen to the Razor Crest. It's almost got a Firefly Serenity type just. It's doesn't it like it's gonna fall apart every time yes. it takes off all lands. Yeah, going. Yes. You know, even where the bit where it goes to the hyperspace and the bits fall off right at the end. That was exactly yep. the same. That was the last scene in yep. the Serenity movie. Mm-hmm. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a homage, maybe to uh, Firefly Serenity. I don't know, but it's definitely like yep. you know, the poor Razor Crest has gone through a lot. I still, I still think about um, 
the the Winnebago from Spaceballs. Exactly what I, what I was going to say. When I, when I see the Razor Crest like like Simple. wiping out in space, like when it when it can't fly straight through space, it's like wiping out, like it's like yeah. it's driving on ice or something. Yeah. Um, I'm totally like, yeah, we're back to Spaceballs, but I I don't mind it. It's like. The Razor Crest is a great character in the show, unlike the Millennium Falcon, which I feel like in the sequel trilogy just became like just completely ridiculous. <laughs> um, I feel like well, the Razor Crest just completely trashed it at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, if it wasn't in bad shape all the years, Han had it. it was, you know, Han would be even Han would have been mortified to stay to the Falcon by the time of Rise of Skywalker. Ah. That's what. That light speed, that light speed skipping never should have happened. That was just, that was so against canon. Uh, I don't know. I I don't want to talk about. It. I don't want to get into that. Well, <laughs> in canon, it was just so bad that I've been done before. I, I, I didn't mind it that much, but I just kind of feel like you know how to, you know, I know they got that light speed te- tracking technology now, but the tie faces could tr- do it. Yeah, I don't know where that the, they came from. yeah, and and they were Imperial era Tie Fighters. Like mm-hmm. uh, the one that Kylo had at the end of the show was from the friggin' Death Star. They yeah, did, too. they did, oh, they explicitly did not have hyperdrive. So, like, you know, maybe he found a hyperdrive unit and installed it. I'm sure, you could write it in somehow, but you'd have to give a shit, and they didn't. But anyway, yeah, where were we? The Razor Crest gets fished out of the water by this crane at-at, which, again, was my favorite scene in this whole fucking thing. It was so beautiful. Um, This crane dropping the wet Razor Crest onto the landing pad. Um, But we should move on from that uh, because a lot happened in this episode. Uh, Then we get to the frog lady reuniting with her husband. So uh, Mandalorian completes his mission from the previous episode, and then he gets his reward uh, yes, I can lead you to somebody who knows where the Mandalorians are. Uh, the person who knows is over there in this bar. So we get back to every episode, we got to have a scene in a bar. Every episode, mm-hmm. we got to have a scene where we're sitting at a table in a bar. That's fine. It's a Western. That's what we do in Westerns. I get it. It's cool. Um, but uh, then we meet the Quarrens who say, yes, we will take you on our ship to where the Mandalorians are, we know where and they are. Totally skipped over a huge, not what a huge part, but uh, so um, they sit down, and um, the 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 waiter comes over and he's like, he's like, uh, what can I get you? <clears throat> and he's like, well, nothing for me, but chowder for my friend here. <clears throat> and then he's like, oh, you have to, uh, you you can't sit here without ordering something. And then he pulls out the money. That uh-huh. he received in in, yes. in the first episode, or not the first episode, but the first yes uh, first season. Yeah, uh, nice the exact same money. Yep. Yeah, and, nice yeah. It was the Mon, the Mon Calamari the Mon money, Calamari, right? Yep. And because uh, he pay, he says I can pay you in Mon Calamari, whatever money, whatever. Yep. The, Flan, it's called in, I think. Flan. Yeah. Mon yeah. Calamari. Flan. Right. I think. Yeah. I think that's what it was. But anyways, and then uh, and then he uh, he pours the uh, chowder, and then we have this great moment with that little squid thing. Yes, the face hugger in, squid, and it did oh, the exact oh. it did the face hugging, which is another callback to aliens. So, yes. which uh, which I thought was great because Susie did the little face thing, and then he's like the the child is like. Eh. 
and he's like pulls out the knife. Yes. Stop playing with your food. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The second time I watched that episode, I watched it with my mate. My mate came down to watch it because he's mm-hmm. enjoying it. And he says, don't play with your food. And he didn't even know that Din was about to say that. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's funny. There was something cool about Din's, Din just stabbing that thing with his knife mm-hmm. and it just dropping off Baby Yoda's face. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they played that scene really well. It was it was a well... Re- you know what? You know who directed this episode, Kev? Your favorite director from last season. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Bryce it's... And, and it's Dallas funny because it's funny episode. you should mention that because I was going to mention the fact that when we were done, the fact that how much you swore up and down that das, da, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard has no right directing anything <laughs> in the Star Wars franchise, yeah. and she well, just made you eat your words. This <laughs> okay? No, you know what? I I still have. You know what, Kev? I could spend an hour talking about this. I know you but, could. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say little moments like this where they're sitting at the table and they're interacting. Mm-hmm. Those, those are definitely directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And I was about to, yes, give her credit for this scene and a couple of scenes in this episode that worked really well. Interpersonal scenes. Um, definitely learned how to direct from her dad. His dad's, uh, you know, we know how good her dad is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, okay. But, okay. But, okay. We gotta, we gotta take a quick pause here and, and touch on this now, Mac. <laughs> In you, season you just one, up a bookworm. <laughs> in season one, the worst episode by far was episode four. Am I right? Is have actually been a worst episode? Uh, yeah, I know well, you love this show, and I know, I know you don't want to talk bad about it. But if you had to rate them, wouldn't see wouldn't episode four be on the bottom of your list if you had to rank them? Uh, come on, on come now. on come on the atst I, that didn't have pilots come on no one can take down an atst when they're surrounded by giant trees and we know that you can take down an AT- atst with giant trees come on human ram ewoks are they really <laughs> ewoks know how to use the forest at advantage we're talking about the whole the whole mexican talking, love story we're talking about, as mel brooks put it simple farmers the common clay the new west you know morons anyway Anyway, I uh, let me get back to. I'm sorry, but I, I was giving her credit. I'm giving her credit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a good episode, and, and, that was, and that was a visually good episode as well. I mean, making the ATST look menacing was quite cool. Yeah, I had no yes. problem with that. But this guy over here. Oh no! That episode was garbage, guys. Like it that was episode far from was garbage. garbage. That ATSD was garbage. That fight scene was so fake. It was, it was so awful. It was far from it garbage. Was, was, but I do. They agree. had they had not the loot, They had not learned to use the tech yet. They had not learned what they were doing yet. They had no idea yet there when they made that episode. Villagers. There were simple villagers. That was a bad episode. I'm sorry. That that was a bad episode. But I don't want to fight with you guys. I love you guys. I want to keep going <laughs> with this great episode, this great episode that we're talking about now. Um, but Kevin, we have opened up a whole other can of worms here. When mm. you when you brought this up, I thought the reason you brought this up was this whole other topic, this whole topic of is Baby Yoda really just super hungry, or does he have some magical connection with the eggs? Right, Kev. Right. And mm. you'll remember you'll remember on this previous episode, on our previous episode, when we when we discussed this. We both were hoping, but yep. you were kind of more on the side of 
Baby uh, Yoda is actually having, saving the eggs. Yeah. I, I was hoping He's he was storing them yeah. somehow instead of eating them. Yeah. And I said, no, Kev, I, I, I want that to be right. But I think what's happening here is the writers of this show just heard from ep- from season one how everybody thinks it's so funny that Baby Yoda is hungry all the time. Mm-hmm. And everybody posted memes about give me nuggies or I'll choke you with the force. And those chicken nuggies come from that was really annoying. Yeah, yes. I agree. It's like it's someone yes. someone started it somewhere and it just snowballed. Yes, it's so annoying. Yes, I um, agree. But I think that the writers of this show just want to play to that joke as much as possible. That mm-hmm. Baby Yoda is always hungry, and I think it's just a joke. And I and I think he's actually eating the fucking eggs and. And you weren't sure, and I think that maybe you changed your mind based on this episode, Kevin. Am I right or wrong? Oh yeah, no. Obviously, this this corrected that. Um, because so I've he, seen people still saying the other way. I've seen people still debating it. Go no, it, I think the yeah. debate's over. Um, they actually mm-hmm. released a statement saying, um, "Baby, or the child." Like I said, I hate calling him Baby Yoda. The child um, was eating unfertilized eggs. Which is what we do every we morning, do. right? Yeah. That's what chicken right. eggs are. Uh, when yeah. we when we break open an egg and we fry it, it's an unfertilized chicken egg. So uh, basically, the writers were just saying that this he he was eating unfertilized eggs, not killing a race uh, that was potentially going to happen because they were unfertilized. Plus, they're also <laughs> doubling down the fact that he is a toddler. Toddlers will put anything in their mouths. They will eat anything True. given the opportunity. You know, and I've they did a, play on that, yes. Since since I last was on your show, I've got a puppy, and he'll eat anything that you put in front of him. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he's exactly, he's a fairy toddler, and toddlers are assholes. They will eat anything. Yeah, you're right. You're right, yes. 100%. But I yeah, can no. attest to that. I, I have a two and a half year old. Yeah. I can attest to that. This is true. Yeah. Don't put that on your mouth. What have you got now? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and that was baby you. Yeah. Well, yeah. The yodeling. Anyone uh, my page is me fat, me fat page or me Yoda page. I call him the Yodeling. I just think it's funny and it's best than calling him baby Yoda. Yeah. His species you know what? It's it's weird how some people get triggered about the Baby Yoda thing, and Kevin is cool about it, even though Kevin prefers not to call it that. But I have seen people get like angry when you call him Baby Yoda, like that's uh-huh. not what he's called. I saw a dad like yelling at his kids in a movie theater because they called Baby Yoda Baby Yoda. <laughs> I remember uh, saying that. Yeah, like people get upset about that, and I'm just like, dude, like whether it's right or whether it's wrong, why do you really care that much? You know, I wouldn't well, have, I wouldn't just description. He's one of Yoda's species on his little, but we don't know what Yoda's species called. Yeah, yeah, George Lucas says we'd never find out, and we probably might never will, unless they're gonna go against George. So, yeah. I, I, I'm just happy with yodeling. You know where you're coming from with that. It's kind of funny, and it's also kind of like it could also be a species. Mm-hmm. Right. Yodeling. True. That does me. Kev, you True. were going to say? Uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. <laughs> well then. <laughs> uh, okay, so we get past this comical scene where they're eating the chowder and where the chowder tries to kill Baby Yoda. Um <laughs> Don't play with your feet. <laughs> and then we meet the Corrin. Uh, Can I just say, I think about that one last thing, guys, about that uh, the food. 
anyone where it's very Star Trek as well with Gak. You see that sometimes, yeah. like tentacles crawling yeah. across the table, and it's Gak is served best live. Yeah, I remember that episode well. But... La- you gotta have live Gak here. <laughs> kind of the same thing going on. Yeah, the food's actually fights back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and we see a bunch of people slurping down these living tentacles during this episode. Mm-hmm. It's a popular, it's a popular, it's a popular food here on this planet, this Mon Calamari corn planet. Um, mm. So then we get to the thing, Kevin, the thing that you know that I love so much, the boat. Um, <laughs> Can we talk about that dude's voice for a second, though? Uh, sure. You could tell he was a villain right away, right? Like he's got this really super Definitely, smarmy yeah. kind of voice. And uh, uh, for life of me, he sounds familiar. Um, oh. But he had like some like deep like next level voice. And um, this is the corn that we're talking about here. Um, yes, the corn dude. And um, yeah, no, he just had like this next level voice. And the whole time I was sitting there, I'm like, I know that voice. And I'm sure it'll come out later because um, I didn't I didn't really see uh, see a credit. No, it's but... it's not it's not listed on the cast. I'm looking yeah. at the cast list right it's, now on IMDb. I, it's not listed. His voice sounded so so familiar. Like maybe it was Pro- it was probably Mark Hamill. You know I mean, yeah, everyone, everyone's <laughs> Mark Hamill. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Mark Hamill. Would you? Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta be. It's gotta I, have a voice cameo in everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I didn't even realize he was the uh, the droids in there. Uh, Charmin's can well formerly Charmin's Cantina in uh, the first series until I read to the list. I went, That was Mark Hamill, no way. Yeah, I didn't even recognize it, so I won't be yeah. surprised. If it was Mark the man Hamill. works, the man yeah. works his ass off, he, he, does. he really does. Yeah. And uh, I knew there was something up straight away, it wasn't just his voice, it's the have you ever come across a quarant that wasn't sketchy in some way? The quarant <laughs> to be a race of assholes. There's squid faces. They're sketchy by design. Yes. They really are. Yeah, they are uh, designed like mind flayers for a reason. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, quarant, sketchy. When the Clone Wars yeah. happened, who did they sign with? The Confederacy. They were yes. on Dooku's side. Against the Moncala. You know, that's a cool uh, animated sequence where Kit Fisto, Kit Fisto's fighting them uh, on Moncala. Mm. That's why uh, we have you here. There you go for the cannon. <laughs> for the cannon, and then uh, and then he asks him. He does ask him. I did think that was better than the one that they did. Filoni did that four parter. I mean, I loved Rip Tamsin. He was cool, the kind of shark character. But I just thought the whole arc on the Clone Wars was a bit dull. Yeah, <laughs> I would think it deserved four episodes. Yeah, fair enough. so you know, it's good to see Moncala. Yeah. There as well, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's been interesting if they've actually just gone to Moncala in this episode instead of uh, uh, you know the Sanctuary Moon. But, well, there's, well, there's something for you because I was a bit bothered by the way I felt like they kind of depicted Mon Calamari as low tech when Mon Calamari in the in the original trilogy were definitely like a high tech race. Their fleet was like the strength of the Rebel fleet. I don't feel like um, they, they depicted them as a low-tech race. I just feel that on this planet, he was limited to what tech he had. Just a cheap planet. Yeah, because it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a fishing planet, obviously, right? They had that cool <laughs> ad was a thing. Fishing, yeah, well, it was a fishing town, right? Uh, yeah, you got that right off the bat. 
Yes, proper right. ship, ship. Yeah, proper ship. <coughs> well, on a planet like that, there's nothing proper. Just patch up ships. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think yeah. he just did what he could with what he had. Because even the Mandalorian was like, "I gave you a thousand credits, and this is what you did." And he was like, "Meh." <laughs> it's a lot of netting. The place yeah. looks like a little red lobster or something. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, so yeah, yes. I I feel like he just did what he did with with the resources that he had. Okay. But yeah, no, what I was gonna say is, um, so uh, back to the the quorum in the uh, in the restaurant. Sure, um, the quorum in the restaurant says I can take you to where the Mandos are. Yeah. You got to come on my boat. But right? you got to come on so my then, boat, and it's like a it's like a three hour ride or something like that. Then we get on the boat, the bit, the famous boat that Jared was mad yeah, about Jared because absolutely loves. Because boats don't belong in Star Wars, and <laughs> now now that I've got a good look at this boat, I am convinced that this is not really a boat. I am convinced that this is um, uh, a sail barge, kind of like the one that we saw in Return of the Jedi, but it was just in the water because it's a fishing version. It's a fishing sail barge, so it goes it's into skiff. the water when it's going fishing. <clears throat> but I think I a skiff, right? I think it, a skiff mm-hmm. is a probably probably yeah. It does it look is. like a skiff. You're right. And I think it will come out of the water later, but I just don't think they just did. They just didn't do that during the episode. But I think it looked like the kind of vehicle that could come out of the water at any time if it mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah, it looks like yeah, it has like uh, jets on the back and all that stuff, right? I'm not proud with the way it was all points and all that. Yeah, it's definitely. So then that fixes boat. my whole problem. It's not a boat. It's not a boat. It's a skiff. And it was just in the water because that's its job. It's a fishing skiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Problem solved, Kev. You don't have to there make fun of me for being mad about the boat. Because <laughs> you made fun of me. Oh, I made fun of you religiously. <laughs> for being mad about the boat. <laughs> Boats just, don't belong in Star Wars. Just I'll like, say it again. Just like how yeah, um, as soon as I there was somebody here, there was boats in somebody here. I remember there was a story with Lando, and it was based around a, a boat and a submarine. Oh really? And, yeah. Oh, that's why. That's why the EU got axed, my friend. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding, <clears throat> EU fans. I know there's so many of you listening. Anywho, um, back to the plot. The plot goes. Yes. Um, not long are we on the fishing skiff before we find out the evil the evil plan mm-hmm. of these Quarren is to kill the Mandalorian and steal his and Beskar steal his armor. Beskar. Yes. So what they do is they they knock Baby they bait Yoda. Him. They bait him in into the what's the the creature called the Mama something the Mama Don Mama Don I think it is. Um, Mama Mama Thor. Mama Thor. Mamacore, Mamacore, that's right. Mamacore. Um, so it it it's it's kind of um it's kind of a sarlacc for the water. Mm-hmm. This Mamacore, it jumps out of the water. It's a big worm with lots of teeth inside its face, <laughs> and it eats Baby Yoda. It mm-hmm. eats Baby Yoda right in front of us. Yep. And then the, what does the Mando do? He immediately dives into the water after it. They close a a, a door, a trap door over top of him in the water. They trap him in the water and they try to drown him. They're stabbing him with spears. They're stabbing him. They're trying to drown him. Yeah. And then what happens? Boom. The, the moment you've the all episode. been waiting for, millennials. <laughs> the moment you've all been waiting for, millennials. I'm Gen X. Wing. Okay, but some Gen X. Not me, brother. Not me. <laughs> I know you're with me. I know, anyway. Yeah, you're both Gen Xers. You're both Gen Xers. So I'm in the minority of Gen Xers here, even. Yeah. Um, so I should just stand down. But uh, 
what happens is uh, the Mandalorian is rescued by who? By three fellow Mandalorians. Bo Katan and the Night Owls, who we know from the Clone Wars TV series. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, Jer's prediction, Jer's long repeated prediction came to life. The Mandalorian became live action Clone Wars completely 100% in this moment. And it was great. Mm-hmm. My reaction. I actually, I literally shouted on the screen. I scared me, puppy. So I was like, oh my God, it's Bo-Katan. I started yeah. laughing out loud and I said to myself, all of the nerds I know are fucking shitting their pants right now. My because I recognize that armor. Not mm-hmm. only is this a character from Clone Wars, it is the actress uh, who played her voice on Clone Wars yeah. in live action. It is the dream... It is the dream that you all had for Ahsoka Tano, even though you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got you got it with Bo-Katan. Yeah. You got yeah. the character who played her on your favorite show. Bring her to life in live action. And I, I want to say it was perfect. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they really made, yeah, they really made Casey Sackhoff look like Bo-Katan does in Rebel. I, I love her theme love music. Her. Uh, she has her own theme. I don't know if it's the Night Owls theme or if it's Bo Katan's personal theme, but it's like it's like I don't even know how it goes, but it's so cool. Um, the music on this show is always great, but Bo Katan's theme is awesome. And um, her and her Night Owls kick ass. They murder all the Quarrens. They they rescue Mandalorian. They jump in the water and they rescue Baby Yoda. Yep. Yeah, Costa Reeves. She edge. Uh, Dives in, kills the right. uh, girl, and, and yeah. And we should talk. We should talk about her because she's this actress. She was the WWE wrestler. Mm-hmm. I'm not a WWE fan. I don't know her. She is the current WWE SmackDown Women's Champion. Oh, really? Sasha Banks is her name. She's the champion, really. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. huge. She's a longtime friend and rival, Bailey, for the title a couple of weeks ago. Well. There was a lot of speculation that she would be playing Sabine Wren since they both had bright blue hair. But no, she's playing this character, Casca Reeves, just another Mandalorian who's a member of the the Night Night Owls. That's right. The Night Owls look exactly like they do on the Clone Wars show. They're painted blue. They have their Night Owl emblems painted on their armor. Their armor looks distinctly different from the Mandalorians. Their faceplates especially, they have this more like bird-like shaped um, eye aperture. Um, and uh, they were epic. And their fight, their fight scenes with their action scenes were fantastic. They were really like fast-paced and and uh, and. Uh, same way they did in the Clone Wars. Yes, their style of fighting was exactly the same. Clone Wars. The Clone Wars came to life in live action. Yeah, in perfect they, detail. They, and their tactics are perfect. So now you see them in both Clone Wars and Rebels. Yes, uh, you see Jamandalore and stuff. Um, and the scenes where they are all flying together in their jetpacks are so fucking beautiful. They are on the level of the Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know. I, I was always my biggest disappointments back in the eighties when he first had Boba Fett and you see him using jetpack. It was so limited what they could do. Showing You're, right. Jetpack. You're right, and and you know, now it's perfect, right? Yeah, 
I mean, you see him take off, and you just see him jump land in Jedi. Let's and talk about the after this after this scene. Okay, we get the meeting yeah, after can after. We, can we just uh, mention the other guy as well? Axe Wolves. Yes. Um, the all the night owls are usually female, but here oh. we have someone mm. who's wearing the night owl owls type, so but he's a male. Obviously, a former member of the the death the Death Watch, and he's still. So? Night Owls. Well, yeah, because they are the Night Owls were aligned with Death Watch, and when the whole th- um, stuff with Maul happens, you get some right. Of this is why I'm glad you're here, Mac, because owls. I wanted to get into that with you, because I have a prediction that's based on all of that that I need your help with for the background story. Um, but let's plod forward through this through the plot of this because we got a lot to get through still. Um, so. Uh, like right after we get saved by the by the night owls, uh, Mandalorian, of course, is now meeting uh, other Mandalorians, um, and uh, is immediately shocked when Bo-Katan and her night owls take their helmets off. Uh, he immediately kind of flashes a flashback moment to uh, to Cobb Vanth, and he's like, "Where did you get that armor?" Because mm-hmm. he assumes they're not Mandalorians, yeah. and. And we get this scene here that, at the same time, answers so many of our huge questions, but to me, raises, like, massive new questions. And I wanted to just say that before we, before we carry on with, with the big reveal here. But we get the big reveal. We get Bo-Katan explaining to us the big mystery for all this time. Why? Why does the Mandalorian have this creed where he doesn't take off his mask when we know all of these other Mandalorians from Clone Wars who take off their masks all the time? What happened? What's going on here? Why? So we find out. They say, oh, you're one of them. You're a child of the Watch. And we know what that means. We know they're talking about Death Watch. And she says they were an extreme sect that followed the religion, that took the religion to the extreme. And, uh, you know, basically they're kind of crazy and they're kind of out there. And look, the rest of us aren't like that. Like we take off our helmets. It's cool. Right. Um, And the Mandalorian reacts exactly the way he should. He freaks out and leaves. He flies away (laughs) from this moment. And we're like, oh, my God, you just found mandalorians and you're running away it's like kind of a tough moment i think if if you're if you're um invested um but then we get this this beautiful scene and i i said i know i said the crane scene was my favorite scene but i I lied my favorite shot of this of this episode is so fucking beautiful when mandalorian is standing on the shore and he's looking at the boat still in the water and it's exploding and the men and the night owls are flying away from it on their jetpacks. Mm-hmm. That was so this, cool. that it's was a amazing. fucking it's a fucking screensaver level image. It is so oh, yeah. fucking beautiful. Um and def- to me it's definitely up there on the level of any of the images that Fire Strikes Back, which to me are the pinnacle. But um Anyhow, uh, it doesn't take long before, like, we're like, what's going, what's going to happen now? Like, the Mandalorian is going to like run away, and we're going to have to like deal with like him trying to get, or or the the Night Owls trying to get back with him somehow. But no, there's no time wasted. The, the immediate next scene, uh, Mandalorian is attacked by some Quarren who are mad at him for killing the other Quarren on the boat, and then he's rescued again. What? You kill my brother. You don't yes. get my brother. 
Yeah. You killed my brother. Yeah. yeah. And then Night Owl will show up again. They have an awesome jetpack landing scene. And then they have an awesome shootout where they just kill all the corn right away because Mandalorians are so badass. And that's a great thing about this episode is that the the night owls all show how they're all just as badass mm-hmm. as Dinjar and our Mandalorian. And the the superiority of the Mandalorians in combat is like showcased in this episode. It is yeah. is excite is exciting every time every time they're in action. So are we going to talk about this whole helmet thing, or are we going to continue with the timeline? If, for a if, if you want to, if you want to, if you something you want to get to right now, go ahead, brother. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, I kind of figured as much. I've been having this endless debate on me, me yes. on my page, and I figured that's I can't, I'd kind of piece it together because the whole thing was, what if it was just a certain clan thing, and more Mandalorians adopted it to hide their identities pre-page, post-page, because, let's face it, if you don't know who's in the armor, you can't identify them. So I think Mm -hmm. something that was limited to one sect became a bit more uh, widespread among the other clans. And obviously it didn't affect the Night Owls and all that. They didn't care and all that. They're, They're still proud. They'll still take their armor. They're still... We're on their sleeves. We're the nice owls. We don't give a shit if you know who we are or not. Mm. But you know, some of the rest of us kind of said, "Well, yeah, maybe we should keep our helmets on. That way, they can't identify us." Identify us. So, like, I figured that out. Yeah, and kind of like, yeah, the extremist group. And I loved the way the, it was kind of a throwback to the EU because there was. One, ones that followed the way of Mandalore back then, and they didn't take their helmets off either. So it's all tied back in. To, uh, you know, it's brought some back in the EU into canon. Uh, they really were hardcore, the followers of Mandalore. Right. It's like the fall, like this extreme version of the religion are followers of the Mandalore, who was like this. What what was the Mandalore? It was like a creature, like in the in the ancient history of the planet, right? Mandalore was named no, after Ma- a man. Mandalore was, no, Mandalore was the uh, was the founder of the uh, whole Mandalorian culture, Mandalore the first, and um, when they started, you know, they were fearsome because they were fe- t- taking on fierce beasts like the great dragon and stuff and all that. I mean, there's tales that. You know, in order to become a Mandalorian back then, you had to actually fight a great dragon, or you had to fight a, a mythosaur. You know, mythosaurs. So, mythosaurs are massive. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine a lone Mandalorian trying to take down a mythosaur or a great dragon. You know, it depends on that's on what Quill said. Yeah. Your your kind used to ride the mythosaur. Quill said yeah. that in season one. I didn't matter we had to find them. It was used to be initiation, and the mythosaurs were massive. Well, they ch- they change size depending on which uh, story you have and all that. But in some of the earliest EU stories, they actually built the cities around skeletons of uh, mythosaurs. You know, it was kind of a la like uh, Sh- Tana and heavy metal. Mm. Yeah, I do. That's nice. That's nice. Deep cut. Deep cut. <laughs> I like that. Um, 
but let's get on with the plot if we if we can. Um, okay, <laughs> after we get this amazing amazing visual scene uh, of the Mandalorians flying away from the boat as it explodes, um, we get that we get the reunion the reunion a- after the Quarren attack and the shootout and the Mandalorians kill them and then we go back to a bar of course. So uh, well, can we, we get buy you Man- a drink? Yeah. Can we at least buy you a drink? Uh, is the line that uh, Bo-Katan gets Din Djarin to sit down with her about. Um, so she talks to him a little more, and um, she tells him uh, about their plan, I guess. Wait a minute. Am I am I skipping anything? No, you're, you got it. This conversation, they get right to the plan here. Yep. Um, they talk about uh, okay. how uh, this planet is used as... Um, um, for um, exporting guns, oh, or something like that. yeah, yeah, exporting guns to the <clears throat> empire. So, yeah. the, so the the empire runs guns through this planet. It kind of reminded me of Rogue One, the way the empire was using that planet uh, to mine all of the kyber crystals. Yeah. Uh, it was like the empire is shipping a lot of guns off of this planet. Um, so, again, we see more functioning empire here. Um, the biggest Imperial vessel we've seen so far is this freighter vessel. Uh, I forget the name of it, but apparently it appeared in Clone Wars a bunch of times. Mm. Um, it's not a huge ship. It's not like a, a Star Destroyer, uh, size ship, but it's about the size of like four or five Millennium Falcons. I'm going to say it's a pretty big ship. Um, uh, and, and so the plot is just to hijack this vessel, which has, uh, like a squadron of stormtroopers on it to protect it. You know, uh, in the backgrounds and many times, I mean, I mean it appears both in, the, in some of the prequels and it appears like in some of the video games and all that. And it was cool to see it come into its own. Yeah, uh, the, the ship looked really cool uh, in the air above the harbor. Um, man, so much. Oh, this whole episode looks so good. It looks so fucking cinematic mm-hmm. and, and cool. Um, so, but so this ship is like slowly kind of. It's got to slowly move out of the harbor. It can't ascend into space until it gets out of the harbor space because it's too disruptive to fire those engines. Um, so it's got to like slow crawl out. And while it's slow crawling out, they're going to fly from their jetpacks and they're going to hijack it. And they say, if you help us with this, Din Djarin, we'll tell you where to find a Jedi so that you can deliver the child and complete your mission because we know where a Jedi is, Bo-Katan. Um, along the way, Bo-Katan lets him know that she's on a mission to restore somebody to the throne of Mandalore. Uh, this is her, uh, this is her plot line. Um, and she says she needs something and, uh, the Empire has something she needs, uh, to restore the throne of Mandalore. Anybody who knows Clone Wars history knows that she's talking about the Darksaber, that Bo-Katan's whole mission is to get the Darksaber, which we saw at the end of Season 1. Mm-hmm. So this sets up the tension for us. Bo-Katan is basically going after Moff Gideon. She wants to get that Darksaber from her, from him, so she can take the throne of Mandalore for herself. <clears throat> which is coming up later in my prediction. I think I know how the rest of this series is going to go. I think I know the main thrust what the main conflict of this series is going to be based on this information. <clears throat> but let's finish the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mandalorian agrees. 
he drops off Baby Yoda to be babysat by Frogman and Frog Lady. Uh, and we get lots of Baby Yoda staring hungrily at the eggs. And then we watch one of the eggs uh, now fertilized hatching. And so we know that Frog Lady and Frogman have had their baby. That's yep. cool. Um, and Baby Yoda is be- behaves himself and doesn't eat any of them while he's being watched by them. Which is also cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the tadpole comes out and he's actually playing with it towards the end as well. I yep. saw that whole bit up. That's cool. It's kind of like he's learning. You know. Has he or is he just is he just behaving himself because Mando told him to? I, I, I felt like he was he, he looked hungry in that scene. I don't know. <laughs> but um, we get the main action sequence of this film, uh, of this episode. I called it a film because it's so cinematic. Uh, where uh, Night Owls and Mando jetpack up to this ship and they friggin' take it over. And um, it's super fun uh, to see an Imperial ship, uh, Imperial officers on the deck uh, commanding a ship, just like a Star Wars movie. And uh, to me, like done so well. Yeah. Um, the actor who played the Imperial captain, uh, is an actor who you've probably seen in a lot of TV shows. I knew him first oh. as the man in black from lost, from lost yep. uh, Titus Welliver is his name. Um, not a household name, but you recognize his face anyway. Yeah. He's a great actor. Uh, I know mainly from sons. He was the IRA guy in there. That's true. Sons of Anarchy, another mm-hmm. fantastic show, which I love. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so, uh, we get the the Imperial crew reacting to be invading, being invaded by the Mandalorians, and and it's it's comical, it's fun, it's exciting. It, it it's it reminds you of a lot of stuff. There's a lot of throwbacks to classic Star Wars lines in this whole sequence. Uh, there's uh, with the officer who's like, "Close the doors now." Close, close which doors, sir? Close all the doors. Close all the doors. It, it's just like uh, see, what about, what about, the what about the storm trooper getting tossed right in front of the windscreen as well? Love that. <laughs> yep, that's that's true. That was funny. That was. There's a moment that reminded me ex- uh, of Attack of, of sorry of uh, the Phantom Menace, where in the very beginning of the Phantom Menace, where. Um, where where Qui Gon and Obi Wan are uh, start start their attack basically on uh, the ship that they just boarded that they were taking prisoner on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget the name of the race. Uh, I feel terrible. I forget the name of the race. Sorry, Nemoidians. Nemoidians. Okay, uh, but when, but when they're like, have you ever faced the Jedi before? And they're like, and they realize they're like dead. Um, they have like that exact same thing. It's like it's Mandalorians, and they look at each other, and it's like, yeah, that was totally a callback. It's, but it's fun stuff. Yeah. Um, There's about ten of them. Uh, says only like four life forms. Yeah, <laughs> says only four life forms, sir. Yeah. Uh, all fun stuff. All again, credit to Bryce Dallas Howard. Good job, and great cast. Um, Totally fun stuff. Totally reminiscent of old Star Wars. This, act, this whole action sequence, which of course is resolved by the Mandalorian making a big sacrifice, like sacrificing his own body to to like achieve the mission, and they take the ship. Um, and then the, the the cool scene where the captain the captain shows he's more afraid of Moff Gideon's wrath than he is of. Uh, these Mandalorians, where he's like, uh, "You may let might live, might let me live, but he won't," and then he activates an electric suicide capsule tooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and Which commits suicide. That was, that was hardcore, though. It really was. You know, before, don't take long live the Empire. You know, yeah. it's just like the Mandalorians have got this is the way and all that. They've got Moff, long... Gideon, Moff Gideon appears during this scene. I skipped over that. Moff Gideon appears by hologram. This is the mm-hmm. first uh, appearance of Giancarlo Esposito this season. Um, and he tells him, uh, sorry, you guys don't get back up. Um, if the Mandalorians have taken over that much of the ship, you know what to do. Uh, and, of course... Yeah, shoots his air pilots and then tries to crush it. And then, yeah, it's, it's just there, you know. But uh, Bo, she really wants her dark saber back. She really does. I think, did he get booted? I feel like... Probably lost Jeremy. I feel like Jeremy... Am I back? Oh, there you are. Okay. Uh, yeah, we can hear no, uh, Okay. I lost him like there for a second. My my son ran in the room and gave me a kiss, and he stepped on my. Ah, uh, okay. Um, um, uh, sorry. Where were we? Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, just about say uh, Moff Gideon, you know. And, yes. Uh, she really wants the dark saber back off Gideon. Mm-hmm. And again, more more of this. Uh, and in this scene, Bo-Katan says to the captain. Uh, where's the dark saber? Um, and he says, "Well, if you have to ask, you know, Moff Gideon has it." Um, so we know Bo-Katan's going for that dark saber, so she could take over, so she could take the throne mm-hmm. of Mandalore, which again is a, it's a, it's, it's a big thing. Um, well, she already has it. Well, she already has it. She was bestowed it in Rebels. Yeah, exactly. but then she lost. She lost it to Moff Gideon at some point in the purge, yeah. right? Sabine, Sabine, yeah, Sabine gave it to her and says, "If anyone should rule the Mandalorian, should be you." And passes it over. You know, she's taken over from where her, her sister Satine was. You know, yeah. rule of Mandalore. You know, I know the circumstances this time was they're not pacifists. They were actively fighting against the Empire because they really didn't like what has happened. The the whole Mandalore joining the Empire was repellent to most Mandalorians, but they felt like they had no other choice. And then Sabine fights back, and then Bo comes up and is kind of like, "Screw you, Empire! We're not doing what you tell us anymore. We've already got rid of Gar Saxon. We'll get rid of the rest of you." So well, this is what I was wondering about yeah. Mac, because um, like Sabine is Satine's daughter, Satine is Bo-Katan's sister. Satine uh, is Bo-Katan's sister. Yes, yeah, but in, 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 the, in, the, in the Star Wars, in the Clone Wars, does Bo-Katan not betray Satine and overthrow her and cause her to be imprisoned? Does she not team up with Death Watch and Darth Maul and betray Satine? So shouldn't Sabine hate her? Well, the, it's, it's very like the rivalry. I don't think Bo-Katan quite liked this whole pacifist thing that was going on with Satine. Trying to... Uh, yeah. It was against the Mandalorian code, basically, to be pacifist and stay right. out of fighting and stuff and all that. And that's... So, the appeal of joining up with previously and the Death Watch seems to be the right thing because previously wanted, you know... Mandalore to be active again, to be the Mandalorians of old. And so that's where the conflict between the two of them come from. I don't think she ever wants to get killed and stuff and all that. That was down to Maul. You know, I'd, Priest Vizsla wouldn't have killed the team, but Maul would. 
But how does Sabine not hold any of that against her? Like her mother gets killed at it's the end, it, during this conflict. Yeah, mm. it's, not, it's not Sabine's mother. Sabine's mother is the head of uh, her, uh, the, uh, the Red House. Which okay, is I was part. wrong about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. You see, you meet uh, you meet uh, Sabine's mother in Rebels, uh, mother and father. Um, okay, never mind. Her mother's alliance with Gar Saxon at first, and it doesn't mind helping the Empire until Sabine, you know, points out it's wrong. Should never have helped them in the first place. She was wrong by de- uh, developing that weapon that attacked uh, Beskar. Um, you know, and then she helps destroy it. She well, I'm glad you were here to correct me on that. That's been hunting been for a few time, yeah. No, no, seen that nowhere, kids. As far as we know, we know the had a nephew, Corky. Corky helps uh, Obi Wan, and he helps Man Mandalore out, and he was going to join up. With, he ended up joining up with the Nice Owls. Now, in the episodes, in the Mandalorian episodes, Bo says she's the last of her line. So that kind of applies. Corky's dad. Corky mm. didn't make it. His dad Edge. Interesting. Uh, maybe we'll see that scene. I think we'll see a lot of flashback to the Purge eventually. Yeah, I think that's coming. Um, anyway, we're almost at the end of the episode. Um, uh, you know, they take over the, the Imperial ship. We get another fantastic spaceship, uh, almost crashing scene, mm-hmm. um, and and again, just like. It's it's movie quality. It like th- this could have been the next Star Wars movie, and it would have looked fantastic on the big screen. Um, uh, completely blown away by by this whole spectacular sequence. And uh, at the end of it, um, Bo-Katan asks Din Djarin to join them in their in their quest to restore Mandalore. Um, and Din Djarin's like, "No, you know, I'm sorry. I'm already on a quest. I gotta I gotta get this kid." to his people to the jedi and so then we get the the video game moment where the npc gives the player the information he needs take the child to the city of blah 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 on the planets of blah 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 um i forget what it was uh Korriba, I, remember, I remember they Korriba. used the the term forest moon i'm like really yeah <laughs> yeah um and there you will find, and the name is spoken, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. Uh, and tell her Bo-Katan yeah. sent you. One last, uh, one last whoa, moment. Ahsoka. Oh my god, the nerds were just ejaculating on themselves all over the place at that point. <laughs> um, uh, when this moment when this moment happened. Um, now, I, and that's and that's pretty much where the episode ends. We get this a, another fantastically beautiful scene where Din Djarin jumps off of the ship and flies down on his jetpack back to the city. It's so beautiful. Uh, and then he goes and picks up Baby Yoda from the babysitters, and uh, he gets back on the Razor Crest, which has been fixed, you know, air quotes around fixed by the Mon Calamari. Yeah. For some reason, it's got fishing nets all over it. Um, that's what I was saying put together with what they had it's held together by fishing nets apparently somehow I don't know Um, and then we get the last cute moment where I think like it was if if you weren't convinced about the the debate about baby Yoda if he is he hungry or not (laughs) the episode ends with him eating again 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Another, another, another face hugger tries to attack him. Yeah, that was a Mama Car's baby. It was a baby version of that Mama Car. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. And anyway, it's another it's another little creature that uh, tries to kill Baby Yoda, and Mandalore kills it. Or the Mandalorian kills it, and Baby Yoda finishes the episode eating it. As they're flying away to this to try to find Ahsoka Tano, now is their direct goal. Now um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction, which I I don't know if I said last episode, but um, uh, I don't think Ahsoka Tano is gonna be on the next episode. I think she's gonna be on episode five because we already know that Dave Filoni wrote and directed episode five, um, and the next episode is directed by the fantastic Carl Weathers. So we can Im- we can assume next episode is going to be a grief Karga episode. Mm-hmm. So um we'll you know grief in there. we'll see yeah uh, Kara Dune again. We'll see Kara Dune again and her hair will be nicely flat ironed and she'll be wearing the same armor she wears every damn day. Um hate her. and I will you gotta tell you, you, you I will still hate her. She probably she's so badass she'll probably be able to kill you with her hair. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I don't think she's that badass, but okay. Um, her hair, her hair does kill me. Her hair already kills me. We're talking about Gina Carano here, she's. Uh, I know in real life she killed me. Yes. I <laughs> well, that. on IMDb it says the Mandalorian rejoins old allies for a new right. mission. So, and pictured yeah. is Cara Dune and. Carl so Weather. maybe he's going to bring them with him to meet Ahsoka Tano. That yeah. would be interesting. Possibly yeah. that. And and maybe the blue guy is back because we know he's coming back, right? The guy from yeah. the first episode. Um, but uh, anyway, um, that's the future. And uh, gentlemen, um, that's that episode. And let's end our review before I get to my big predictions. Um, we have we have. I, I believe we covered everything. I don't think I missed anything. Um, what a fantastic episode! Yep. Game has changed whole new level of excitement on the show now um you know and uh you know pat on the back high five to you all my clone wars friends um even though i'm not the biggest fan i'm not a hater i'm happy for you (laughs) you're getting your live action clone wars show uh no not quite but um (laughs) you know uh, a great episode i want to give it i want to give it a rating I want to give it a rating. Uh, it's a nine. It's a nine and a ten for me. It's mm-hmm. a great episode, and um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead with your thought. Yeah. So uh, something that's been grinding my gears. If I use a piece of Griffin, as <laughs> 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 a big uh, rant about it, I'm talking like Yoda, uh-huh. and it's all these people that are saying, "Oh, why would I want to watch cartoons? It's aimed at kids." We're talking about a whole franchise that is family friendly, that is uh-huh. aimed at kids, uh-huh. and they're suddenly talking about watching an animated canon stories. And uh-huh. you know what? All those people always oh, want to watch Clone Wars, they want to watch Rebels, it's too kiddish. Uh-huh. It's now biting them on their ass because Rogue One, <laughs> Solo, Rise of Skywalker, and now The Mandalorian all tie in to those 11 seasons. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you didn't watch it. N- now you've fallen behind. Uh-huh. You know, so many people. Rogue One, it was subtle, which you know me. Uh, Rogue One was never subtle. It was like you remember that from the original trilogy, huh? Huh? 
all the time right throughout it, but it was uh-huh. something that it was just like, oh, there's the ghost and there's Chopper. And you can hear Harrison's all getting paged. Solo, more. Where did he come from? He's dead. He died in the Phantom Menace. Uh, no, if you watch Clone Wars, you know he survived. Mm. <laughs> and then we get to the Rise of Skywalker, and then you hear Ahsoka and Kanan's voice at the end. Uh, some of the Jedi talking to Rey. So the whole thing is tied in together so much. Now, with the Mandalorian, you've got the Dark Saber and you've got Ahsoka Tano who's going to turn up in live action. Bo's turns up in live action and the whole Night Owls thing. And just there's so much. It's kind of like you can't ignore Clone Wars and Rebels now. You can't yeah. just dismiss it. As uh, so, so some good cartoon. It's a, a series, animated series, and some of it, some of Clone Wars especially, was as darker than the films. Some of it was great. Some of it was great. So, some of it, yeah, some of it was flabby. Some of the episodes with the political stuff with Padme was terrible, but he also had the Morsus arc, which I thought was a very important arc. But uh, the main thing, of course, was the mall, the whole taking over Mandalore. I mean, the, whole, Ma- the Mandalore arc was all fantastic. Yeah, with was Savage was, uh, Opress, and then you got stuff like the Carnage of Krell, and uh, Darkness of Umbra, which was probably some of the darkest Star Wars. And you're like, you're gonna say that's just either kids. You literally got a mad Jedi general who just feels like clones are just disposable, and will even kill his own clones if they don't follow his orders. Uh-huh. I mean, that is that's pretty dark. That's uh-huh. getting into apocalypse now territory. Uh-huh. You know, so and the same with Rebels as well. That got some really dark when Vader shows up, mm-hmm. when the Tarkin towns obliterated. Um, you know, so so Rebels. You know, as the Empire start, takes over uh, Lothal, and you see what happens to Lothal and stuff and all. I know some of that's pretty dark and gritty as well. Yep. And you just can't dismiss those two series as kids' cartoons. Yeah, there's comic elements and it's a bit like Heart of the Times, but there's a lot of story in there. There's a lot of filling in the gaps of what happens between um, Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. 100%. And, I agree. You know what? I don't disagree, brother. I, 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 but I, I, I see a flip side of this coin here where it, when it comes to just Star Wars in general and what, what's been going on with it since it moved to Disney... I think what we've witnessed, and I think what you're you're correct in everything you just said. I, I I I my take on that is slightly different. The way I see it is, in the beginning, there was a hesitance, probably on the part of Kathleen Kennedy, to let Dave Filoni have too much influence. So yes, we got like little cameos and stuff like Rogue One, where oh, there's a ship, oh, there's a droid. But we're not actually following any of the plot lines, any of the characters from the Dave Filoni stuff, right? And then I think as time went on and as they tried different things, oh, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. And then stuff started to get a little shaky, right? Around uh, The Last Jedi, around Solo, and then definitely around Rise of Skywalker, when like storytelling kind of completely fucking fell apart, and the whole time you've got Dave Filoni, you've got Dave Filoni the whole time probably in the background saying, "Look, we've got stories you can use. Look, we've got characters you can use. Look, we can do this." And then eventually, 
you get around to finally, okay, let's give Dave Filoni a shot with this live action series on Disney Plus, but we're not even going to let him do it on his own. We're going to give him an overseer like he had on Clone Wars with with George Lucas. We're giving him the next best thing that we can that we can get, which is John Favreau. But I think what we've witnessed here is Dave Filoni coming into power at it, at Star Wars in general, at Lucasfilm, at at Disney's Star Wars division. I think you see in the very beginning, Dave Filoni had just like a tiny, tiny bit of power. And I think as time went on, and as they tried different stuff, and they they started floundering and panicking for story ideas, Dave Filoni, like reliable, dependable, always there in the back pocket, Dave Filoni kind of got more and more power and influence, and now it's his fucking world. And and a lot of you are happy about that. Some of us aren't completely happy about that. But I'm not going to shit on this episode. It was a great episode. I like where things are. I'm not going to be negative about it. Well, Filoni, Filoni does rely a lot on the kinds of nostalgia. But I'm kind of glad, unlike Rogue One, he's not plastering it. I mean, there's a lot of throwbacks and Easter eggs, but it's more subtle. It's not just like... You know, at the expense of storytelling, it blends nicely. And sure. I think that's, he, that's something that he did in both Clone Wars and Rebels. He blended in stuff from the EU. He blended in stuff from the films. Mm. And he didn't overly, you know, point it, you know, make it look like a kid's with ADHD. That's what Rogue One always reminds me of. It's just like, oh yeah, we're just gonna throw these characters in and we'll throw these characters in. And you know what? Let's let's take out the main protagonist and let him be taken over by a CGI version of a dead cat dead actor. And then I tell you what, we'll do one further. We'll just throw in Vader killing people because let's face it, there's nothing else in the film even memorable. It, it was fun. Come on. Yeah, but my main problem with that whole scene was as much as it's fun and they did it because, let's face it, the rest of the characters had as much depth as a piece of HOP. I disagree. I disagree. Uh, right? You're very negative on Rogue One, but I, I, it's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of like every character, Jane, angry young woman that suddenly decides to help the rebels after they blow up her dad, Cassian, a monosyllabic, a monosyllabic dullard that really does not in the entire film. And then I'll oh, begin. I am so after. looking forward to the Cassian Andor series. Well, like to go to be talking like this road the way through, okay. like I'm a first of a French resistance fighter from the World War Two. No. What's wrong with that? Every imperial has a fake British accent. Like it's, it's, it's the goofy. Every 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 rebel in the original trilogy had an overdubbed fake American accent. Is what they do on yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, I just don't think Cassie. Just Cassie's just got the personality of a flock wallpaper. It's what surrounds. It's what surrounds him. His droid His droid was a lot of fun He was a great character yeah, K2SO was the only character I can't even dance Just because he was sassy <laughs> you know, and, so and I thought the action scenes In that, in that movie I thought when they were In that combat scene in the middle of the city When they got ambushed And they were just fighting in the middle of the street I thought this is the grittiest Most like awesome Star Wars 
just like combat I've ever seen. Yeah, that was that was a crazy scene and all that, but it's just you know, action, action scenes alone do not make a film. But Jed Howe, Jed Howe was cool when the 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 Empire was mining all that all that Kyber crystal. It it looked and then the explosion on Jeddah when. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, that's what I mean. There were some cool visuals, but they spent too much yeah. time on it. If there's a bother doing some of the characters, I might have killed Kid. They yeah. died. Well, I mean, what was well, what was what was the mandate for both Chiris and Baze? Chiris, cheerful ex guardian, who's kind of looks like he's force sensitive, but they never outright say it. Who gets killed? Was, I love that character. I love and then, that character. Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I loved him because he was funny. Again, like K2 or so, he has a bit of personality. He had a pure spirit, he, though. He, he was like. And you knew nothing about Baze. And look at Baze. Baze was just, oh, there's another guardian and he's got a big gun and he looks after Chirrut's ass. Because and that they're was, in love. Like, they're in well, love silently. It's, <laughs> a, it's a romance. Yeah, they were but, the first same sex character. They're the first same sex. Uh, romance uh, on uh, in Star Wars, like officially accepted, like admitted um, as being um, a couple, um, and I and I love that I, I could totally feel that unspoken bond throughout the film between their characters. What do we What do we know about them? Absolutely, is it? You know, it spends but that's why I'm excited about the Cassian Andor series, my friend. It's a prequel well, series, my, my, my and we can see all those characters again. No, but you know, Rogue One. He spent twenty minutes uh, hopping between planets and long looks at his shots, and not on the characters. Each of the character had one, about one line yeah, to describe right. them, and Bozy didn't even have that. It was a defecting Imperial planet that cloaks Rogue One. That's really piss poor. But you know, considering and then I said Krennic was completely sidelined by Tarkin and then Vader, and you know, as as back to the original point, the whole Vader scene. Does not really undermine a new hope because Vader, after doing that, you know, suddenly a few days later is fighting completely different, like an old man against Obi Wan Kenobi. He's not fighting as fluidly as as, as badass as he is no. when he's uh, on the thing and all that. He's, it looks like a totally different person in the suit. Okay, but you have to Spencer Wilder, who I've met a couple of times, great guy Spencer, but that was just like. How Vader moves in Rogue One is contrary to how he fights Obi-Wan just a few days later. And then, of course, the biggest one is Vader is standing watching a Tanty 4 blast away. So the whole thing of Leia being defiant and all that, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm on a mission. It goes from defiant senator to naughty schoolgirl. Uh-uh, wasn't us. We didn't do it. It wasn't us. It must have been another ship that looks like us. And that really pissed me off. It was kind of like, bitch, Vader sees you flying, flying off now because of Rogue One. It, he knows okay, it's Okay, wait you. a minute. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Leia wasn't on the ship that flew away. Leia was on the ship that met the ship that flew away. No, she was on the Tanti 4. That was the Tanti 4 that flies away. She's already on it. And she gets killed. No, because they yeah, delivered the plants to her. Yeah, the ship uh, that escaped delivered the plans to her. Yeah, the Santi Four. Vader sees a fly away. That's the same ship. That's lit- you know, a new hope literally takes place an hour or so later when they catch up to it. No, yeah, yeah, help me. No, I, 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 think not, not, I think he's right. Um, Leia, wait a minute. How, scene, Leia was on the ship that escaped. What? 
the scene yeah. the scene where Vader was staring at the ship going taking off was the ship that Leia was on. That's hunting for yeah. Right. And then later the on right, that's right, right, when right, they right. catch up with her. And that's when they get to catch up with her. It right the very last scene. The give her but, the plans. But Vader kills everybody on the ship that delivers the plans to yes, Leia's ship. He, that's a, tra- that's a That's a bigger ship. So Leia, Leia doesn't necessarily that's know that way. Vader watched her fly away, does she? Not well, her the specifically, time. but so, they knew that whatever whatever ship uh, got away was the ship that had the plans. Right, but I'm saying I'm saying Leia. Does Leia necessarily know that in the moment when Vader's questioning her? Well, she's force sensitive, so I would hope, I would assume so. And not just uh, not just that. Did you know they just got away? They they probably you know she's probably had the report. We only just got away from Vader. You can't reverse. You can't reverse explain anything because George Lucas had no plan. It just it just it just feels like you know it just feels like that undermines our scene. And then of course there's the the biggest bugbear I've got with Rogue One, George Lucas. The whole point of Luke destroying the Death Star was he was a fanboy pilot from the middle of nowhere. We didn't even know he had his, uh, his lineage then, but he, he managed to defeat Imperial arrogance. There was a blind spot that the Empire didn't know about, and it was all about belief and using the Force uh, to belief to take uh, you know to take down the big bad guy, and suddenly. Oh no! It it wasn't imperial arrogance. It was sabotage. It well, was imperial arrogance. It I don't know. It's still what? arrogant that they didn't realize. Uh, no, no, seriously, you know. Oh, uh, we're we're putting Achilles' heel into it. Like anyone wouldn't notice. I don't care if he is the engineer and all that. Someone I, like I just got the you know. I like the original George Lucas, Imperial Arrogance. Their belief in their technology is their downfall. It it comes back to bite them again in Return of the Jedi when the Ewoks start taking down ATSTs and, you know, speeder bikes and stuff. Their total belief in their technology is their downfall. Kind of like America and well, uh, in the Vietnam. That was the whole yeah. analogy. Can I? I don't. I don't know that that's ruined by by Rogue One, but I. I, think I, I take it, your point. A lot of Rogue One undermines and you hope, and it just feels like it was unnecessary. It, a lot of it was unnecessary. It would have been better if the film, with the characters, I cared about the characters and all that. I just felt it was empty fan service. Can, can I interject? Solo, Solo was so Sorry. much. Solo. Oh we, my God. We're, we're, we're not here to talk yeah. about the entire Star Wars saga. We're here okay, to talk I'm about sorry, the Mandalorian chapter sorry, 12. <laughs> I just want to add that, yeah. So, love, wove in stuff from the EU. Nicely. We will, we will oh, agree nice. to disagree on both Rogue One and Solo, my friend. Um, but I, you are very educated on these topics, so I respect right. your opinion. Um, but... Um, Okay, I gave this episode a rating of 9 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, Kev, uh, why don't you uh, give your rating? All right. <laughs> After all that, I don't remember what my Sorry, rating was. <laughs> no, but, Sorry, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I'm Sorry, just joking. Um, no, I, again, I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a great episode. Um, it was very, it was kind of a callback to, to chapter uh, uh, 9. 
because it was kind of like the same premise where um, the Mandalorian needed something. He wanted to find Mandalorians and someone was like, hey, I know where Mandalorians are, but hey, come and help me and I'll tell you where they are. And it was like, it's kind of like the same premise. It's um, kind of like a video game now, isn't it? Right. It's kind of like every every episode he's got, okay, this is what you have to do to get what you to, need. To unlock. To move to the next, yeah. to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. You're right in that respect. Well, but A friend of mine calls it side quests. Yeah. It, it's so. the, whole, the whole Mandalorian series is side quests. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, um, that, that out of the way, I, I, uh, I just wanted to compare that to chapter nine. But um, yeah. I, I I also feel like this wasn't a standalone episode. I feel like this was part two of 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 the episode prior because to me they kind of felt like the same episode. So yeah. uh, chapter ten and um, sorry, yeah, ten and eleven. Um, I feel should have been just one episode. Um, I don't know why they broke it up. They should have kept it as one. But anyways, uh, that out of the way, uh, I give it a solid nine as well. All right, then. Nine for me, nine for Kev. Mac, what do you say? Out of ten, how do you rate this episode? This gets a full ten out of ten. Oh, okay. No filler. Oh, yeah. nice. Nice. Well, I never like to give a ten because I, I always like to leave a little bit of room for improvement. Like mm-hmm. something's going to blow me away even more later. But uh, that's bold of you, my friend. I, I respect your choice. I can't, I can't think of anything in that episode that was not. Epic. It was a great episode. It, and it was a game-changing, for sure. Game-changing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, can we get to my, now that we've wrapped up on this episode, oh, can we get to my predictions? Uh, because I have some. I think I know what the main thrust of this series is going to become. Above and beyond the quest to deliver the child... Because I think the quest to deliver the child is going to, in some ways, wrap up this season. He's going to find Ahsoka Tano. He's going to find out there are no more Jedi. But, you know, maybe Ahsoka Tano will take over custody of the child. Maybe not. Maybe they'll just join up and be all one big team. Who knows what's going to happen there? Not sure what's going to happen with the child. But I think it's going to become a secondary plot. And I think the main plot of the series was introduced today. And I'm, I'm going to wrap up pretty quickly. I'm going to just take a couple of minutes here, Kev. Um, I know we're, we've gone long tonight, but I just want to get this this prediction out. Yeah. Um, the, I, I think, in my opinion, the whole thrust of this series is going to become very Game of Thrones-like, and it's going to become all about this quest of Bo-Katan to restore herself to the throne of Mandalore. She's got to get the Darksaber back from Moff Gideon, but there's going to be another wrinkle here that's been introduced which is the origin of Din Djarin, which is this children of the watch we're going to get to death watch eventually here and what's going to happen is death watch is going to oppose Bo-Katan for the throne of Mandalore and the Mandalorian Din Djarin is going to have to pick a damn side He's going to have to decide if he's going to be with this Death Watch faction, this crazy kind of extreme religious cult of Mandalorians, or if he's going to join 
Bo-Katan's side who have helped him, saved his life, led him to Ahsoka Tano and whatever revelations that's going to lead him to. And I think we're going to see parallels here with Ahsoka Tano's story because her entire character arc was all about how the Jedi Order was too extreme in their ways. And they led to the fall of Anakin Skywalker with their extremeness. And they led to their own downfall. And we're going to see a parallel between the Jedi Order and the Death Watch and their extreme devotion to their religion the way the Jedi Order had too extreme a devotion to their religion and we're going to see Din Djarin have to make the same kind of choice that Ahsoka Tano had to see had to make and I think we're eventually going to see Din Djarin either turning his back on the watch and making his own path in a way that Boba Fett is about to show him. Boba Fett's about to give him a lesson in, you don't have to go that way, you can go your own way, you can create your own path. And we're going to have this choice set up for Din Djarin. Do I want to join Bo-Katan and her faction and her quest of like more modern, more open, more free Mandalorians? Do I want to stay with my origin story, the people who saved my life and raised me and trained me to be who I am, even though they're kind of crazy, maybe even evil, or do I want to go my own way, the way Boba Fett did, and and carve my own path as a bounty hunter, as a free man in the galaxy? And I think that's going to be, as the series moves forward, our main dramatic conflict. And resolution is going to be who is going to be sitting on the damn throne of Mandalore, and I think it's probably going to ultimately end in Din Djarin sacrificing himself um, probably to save the child or to save Bo-Katan or something. He's going to make some ultimate... I don't think he's going to survive the series. I think he's ultimately going to sacrifice himself in the most critical moment that saves everything. Um, but, but I think, again, it's going to be about the, the, the Night Owls versus Death Watch and which side is Bo-Katan going to be on or is he going to go his own way? That's my prediction. All right. Quick thoughts before we wrap up, <laughs> Johnny. Uh, well, I, I I agree with that. I think that is the way it's going to go. They are going to have to wrap up this child thing. You can't just have, you know, season after season of bear chasing after the child and stuff and all that. You probably will get more into the Mandalorian thing. And yeah, this was the game change. This was where they're heading towards mm-hmm. the rest- restoration of Mandalore. And where things gonna fit into it all. Whether he sacrificed himself is another matter, but at the same time, but I definitely think he's gonna be instrumental in what's gonna happen to his planet. Oh, another option. Maybe he'll end up being king of Mandalore somehow. That would be even crazier. That would be like Lord of the Rings. Anyway, Kev, quick reaction before we wrap up. Uh I personally don't think that him and the child will ever part ways. I have a feeling that he's oh, I gonna, agree. I agree. Yeah, I have a feeling because the child is such a a huge driving force for like viewers. Um, you take the child off the show now. At this point, I have a feeling that a lot of people will stop watching it. Because uh, you it, think it, there'll never be a time jump? Do you think we'll never get like a teenage version of the child, like Groot? Which is it's 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 absolutely possible. Um, mm. Yeah, I I, I can totally so. see that. Like um, maybe I think so. Depending on how many seasons this goes, I, I don't right. pitch, I don't think it will go past like six, to tell you the truth. I, I, oh, yeah, you know, six for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so say if we get to a fifth season and um, he changes his mind and he decides to take the child, uh, I, feel, I just I just look at this as like a, a lone wolf and cub type thing. Like, like you're not going to have the lone wolf without its cub. And right. I don't know, I, I just think a lot of, because uh, there's a lot of like people who are watching this just because the child are on it who are not Star Wars fans, right? Uh, right. They're, they're casuals. Where us, right. no matter what happens, we'll watch it no matter what. If they kill the child tomorrow, we'll still watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, right. I have a feeling that the that, that didn't... Oh, I think the child survives till the end for sure. I think, yeah, for sure. I think Din Djarin likely dies in the final episode, but the child survives to carry on what he's learned from Din Djarin, yeah. right? Yeah. No, um, I could see them killing off Din, but uh, I, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to veto that. I don't think they will. I can see them doing it, but I don't think they will. If so, where's where's the child at the time of the uh, sequel trilogy? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think, like I was saying, with this whole Ahsoka Tano left the Jedi Order, right? Mm -hmm. So to assume that she's going to train the child to be a Jedi would be kind of weird. So I think when they when they find Ahsoka Tano, they say, "Oh no, you don't want him to be a Jedi," and they don't train him to be a Jedi. I think he trains to be a Mandalorian instead of a Jedi. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think he's just a, he's 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 a force sensitive, uh, like Mandalorian type warrior. Like he takes Din Djarin's armor when Din Djarin dies, and um, seen some arts of that effect already. A couple yeah. of memes with Baby Yoda and like Mandawam. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, me too. Um, I, I think that's probably likely. I think he's not going to become a Jedi. I don't, I don't think so. Otherwise, I, he wouldn't be old enough to be a Jedi yet. Uh, by the time Rise of Skywalker happens, so like, like Yoda said, he started training. He started training Jedi when he was like uh, around ninety years old. Um, so like that would be really young because Baby Yoda's fifty right now, right? So. But still, that's forty years is, pa is is past the end of Rise of Skywalker. So, if if Baby Yoda were to become a well, Jedi and train Jedi, it would be after. Yeah, with the uh, well, it's twenty five years later than it. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be seventy five by mm -hmm. the time of uh, right. Force Awakens, seventy six, right. seventy seven. My by the time of Rise of Skywalker. So my theory is, they've either set it up so that. Baby Yoda was too young to be involved in the original trilogy, or that he did not become a Jedi. He went his own path and became like a loner, like the like the Mandalorian. Mm. But um, I, I don't know. We'll I, see. I, I think so. Yeah, I don't think he would have become a Jedi himself. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, especially because Ahsoka Tano would be his master, and when and she wouldn't, right? Because she's not a Jedi. So. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But I think Sabine Wren is eventually going to come into play here. Mm -hmm. Maybe not till next. Maybe not till next season, um, because we haven't. It hasn't been leaked yet, and everything's been leaked about this season already. So, anyway, let's wrap up for tonight. We have gone on long, but it's been a great discussion, and mm -hmm. I have really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, Mac, thanks so much for joining us, yes. and um, and that I want to say. I want to say to everyone again, uh, go check out uh, Mac on Facebook. You can find him at uh, Ninja Penguin. 
Ninja, Penguins, Geektastic fun page uh, for all the funny memes. And then uh, there's always be yourself, unless you can be Boba Fett, then be Boba Fett uh, for all the Boba Fett-themed memes. Sorry? I've dropped that bit. It was getting unwieldy. It's oh. just always be yourself unless you can be Boba Fett. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so check him out there for all your Boba uh, Fett related stuff. Like you, but because a legendary geek you are. Yes. Um, I'll, that's the general Star Wars page. It's just got everything. I just throw everything at that page. He's <laughs> got a lot of collectibles. He's got a lot of Star Wars fandom posts all the time. And uh, he's always funny, too. So go check him out on Facebook. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mac. And yes, please come back thank you. soon. Thanks for coming out. Always a pleasure. DJ Kevy Kev, uh, do you have anything you want to get in before we wrap up? <laughs> uh, no. Um, other anybody in the chat? Uh, let's see. That's the end. Ah, oh, Miss Jackson. Yes, that's right, Miss Jackson. That's the end. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize a trillion <laughs> times. That's all for episode 60 of Too Old for This Podcast. So, from across the pond in the UK, Johnny Mac and DJ Kevy Kev here in Brampton, and myself, Jeremy Dove, in the city of Oshawa, I wish you a good night and just chill. Till the next episode. Till the next episode. Oh, yeah.